They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is the GenSend Podcast with Shane Pruitt, Paul Wooster, and Lacey Via Sr. Excited to be back for another episode of the Jensen podcast. And I'm really excited because I have my fellow Gen Z NAM team member here with me, Anna Gage. Anna helps us just keep the ship running. She keeps Shane and Paul on track and really um, just helps keep things rolling. You've probably talked to her if you've come to our coaching network or done any kind of event with us because she is the point person and the mastermind behind a lot of things. So Anna, we're excited you're here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be on. I'm always watching these, but I always have my camera off. So this yeah, is she different, is but I'm excited. She is usually silently in the background. So it's fun <laughs> to actually have you join the conversation. That's true. Yeah. Like the Jensen podcast does not happen without Anna. She's always back. Like she's air traffic control in the background. So it's great uh-huh. to have her front and center today. Yes. Yep. I mean, she makes everything happen. I mean, anything that you see coming out of Jensen to Shane and I, it's Anna. Anna's Anna's making it happen. <laughs> Even yesterday, I was like logged out of some really important back end to our website. So I was like, how do I get in? And she was like, <laughs> she helped me. So <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's like babysitting with, with Shane and I, but you know. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Dude, it is not lost on us that we would be completely lost without her for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, and we're going to get into this a little bit, but Anna is used to dealing with ministry and guys in ministry. And today we are talking about her fam- a lot of things that relate to her family and her dad specifically, because we're talking about just stewarding your family as somebody who's in ministry full time, whether you're a pastor, evangelist, whatever you do, or even if you're just really involved in your church. We have a couple families at our church that they are just super involved in our student ministry. And we always joke that their kids kids act like PKs, pastor's kids, because they're just up there all the time. So whether you're on any of those areas, we really hope that this episode just equips you and your family to thrive in ministry long-term together. And so Anna, along with our other PK, Paul, if you guys don't know, Paul's dad was a pastor. Um, They're going to help us unpack some helpful things that you guys can do as a family in ministry, things to guard against, and even how to disciple your kids to build their own faith. And um, Shane and I will just be taking a lot of notes. I'm sure Shane has some thoughts on these things, but we also will just be taking a lot of notes. So Anna, Paul, Maybe you can start off, Anna, and just tell us a little bit about your family and what life was like growing up. Yeah, for sure. Well, y'all are super sweet. It's fun to work on this team, and I think we have a lot of fun getting to do what we get to do. So it's an honor. It's a privilege, and I'm excited for this conversation. Um, I am definitely a PK. I'm like as PK as they come, um, multi-generational in that sense, because it started with my grandparents on my dad's side. So 
my nanny and pawpaw, as we called them, Freddie and Barbara Gage, they um, were in ministry for 50 plus years, got married really young and just leveraged their lives for the gospel and instilled that into my uncles and my dad, who are all in full-time ministry in some kind of capacity today. Um, And then have gotten to see that really up close and personal with my mom and dad, who have also been in ministry ever since about the time they got married 35 plus years ago. So um, there's definitely a lineage, but it's a huge, huge blessing. And God's just been really faithful towards our family and blessed us more than we deserve. So um, it's sweet to be able to look up to so many people, um, but it can be a lot (laughs) for sure. (laughs) That's awesome. Paul, can you tell us about your family, your dad, what life was like? Yeah, my dad um, got saved in college, actually, and uh, and he's more of a church planner. So we would move almost like I tell people how many places I've moved. And if I don't tell them my dad's a church planner, they think I was in the military, my like in a military family, um, because every five to six years, God would call my family to a new location to start a new church or a new ministry of church planting churches. And so another interesting part of my family is I have a twin brother, and then I have two younger brothers that are twins also, and we're only two years apart. So we would show up to a new town or city with four boys that we almost had a whole basketball team right there. <laughs> and uh, actually that that added to making the whole, the moving so much easier, and it made our family unit more um, kind of a a more cohesive unit and it made it just like we were able to make friends easy and things like that. So actually the moving sometimes became a blessing (laughs) because, um, we would, at times we would make friends with the wrong crowd and then we would move and then we would get a reset (laughs) and kind of do that. So, um, yeah, so that was a piece, kind of a, a picture of my, my growing up. That's awesome. Well, um, when it comes to having parents who are in full-time ministry, what are some things that really need to be guarded against? And I know, Shane, you even have some thoughts on this, just what what you've seen with your kids. Yeah, you know, I would say just as a parent um, to two kids, you know, uh, I'm parenting some preacher kids for sure. Um, a bunch of them. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'd say one thing from the per, uh, parent perspective is, uh, you know, protect your kids. And sometimes you have to protect, um, your kids that are considered PK or ministry kids, um, from unrealistic expectations that even people in the church have of them. You know, I think sometimes they think because we're in ministry, um, that our kids are going to be perfect and not do four-year-old things that four-year-old kids do, you know, and I even remember that being a, a youth pastor at a church. And at that time, Reagan, our oldest was four. She was our only child at the time. And I remember going and picking her up, you know, in the nursery after the last service. And, um, you know, those who were like leading that little room, uh, four-year-olds were like, well, you know, Reagan did this and this and this today, gave me like a rundown, you know? And so I just kind of ignored it. But after like the fifth week in a row where they would give me a rundown of everything she did, I just said, hey, do y'all do this for all the other parents? And they were <laughs> yeah. like, no, we, we just thought you would want to know since you're, you know, on staff. And I'm like, well, hey, she's four and she's yeah. going to do what four-year-olds do. Don't put unrealistic expectations on her because of what I'm doing in ministry, you know? And so I think sometimes 
not only do we need to be an advocate for our kid, but we may need to be a protector as well of unrealistic expectations that maybe even well-meaning church members and church people have of them. Yeah, that's really good. Anna, what were some things and were there, how did your parents help guard against those things, those expectations that people might place knowingly or unknowingly on you? Or what were some other things that just were really important to guard against? Yeah, I think for me, a really, really big thing is there's almost like this identity attached with being a preacher's kid, right? Um, and you either think they're on one one end of the spectrum or the other end of the spectrum. So they're perfect and tidy and wonderful, or they're like super rebellious and crazy and you can't tame them. Um, and I, <laughs> which one were so you, I, by the way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear that testimony. Anna. No, I'm just kidding. You know, I, I was definitely, I had my flaws. Um, but I would say that I erred more on the side of trying to be like a perfectionist. Um, and so in, the grand scheme of things of kind of what you were talking about, Shane, like those expectations were definitely put on me by others, but I put a lot of those on myself because I didn't want to disappoint my parents. I didn't want to be a poor reflection of um, my parents' ministry, the platform that the Lord had given them, um, the family name. Like I just, I didn't want to mess anything up. And so um, while a lot of that was like outside, a lot of it was personal. And I think a lot of that just had to do with wrestling with my identity, knowing who I was, what I was identified by. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, like so much of like the release from that came from just people reminding me who I was, encouraging me, um, instilling in me, um, just strength to know who I was in Christ and, um, really pointed me to scripture and really pointed me to, um, people that I could look at and be like, I want to be like that when I'm older. And so for me, a lot of those, like, expectations and stuff are things that I put on myself. Mm, that's really good. I love that they were able to like point, pointing you to other people. Cause I think it does take a village and especially in ministry, it takes a village. Cause you, you know, yeah, you, you kind of want to protect your kids in this way. And so you've got to bring in other people to step in and say like, look, there's, there's more to your identity than just being a ministry kid or a pastor's mm -hmm. kid or whatever it is. Um, Paul, was there anything that your parents did that helped guard against these things? I know you and your brother went into ministry. And so I don't know if that was something that y'all thought from the very beginning, or if it was a expectation that you felt or how, how was that process for y'all? Yeah. I mean, actually all four of us are in ministry. Uh, my two younger brothers are in international ministry mm -hmm. and we're all mainly focused on the college campus with our ministry. So I don't know how that <laughs> that worked out, but um, I think, think part of it, we were all, we ended up going to really solid college ministries during college. And so our lives were, were changed. And that that's a really cool thing is um, even though we all had genuine relationships with the Lord growing up in junior high, high school, there was uh, most of us, my brothers and I had real um, growth and just we kind of got set on fire at, as a part of that college ministry. So I, yeah. I see it kind of this way is my my parents laid the foundation and gave me some tools and some basics and kind of like created that environment to keep my faith kind of sta not stagnant, <laughs> um, stable is a better word. And then when I went to college, it was like lit it on fire, like the yeah. being being able to share the gospel, being able to disciple others, this training environment where it was a really training focused 
uh, ministry, Baptist Collegiate Ministry at University of Oklahoma, was really discipleship and, and evangelism training focused. Um, so I was just able to hit the hit the ground running with that. But one thing I would kind of warn uh, ministry leaders to guard against is because ministry is our job, we can unknowingly communicate that ministry is like a burden and not a blessing. Yeah. yeah because right. it's like every time we're leaving the house, you know, it's like even I have to watch guard myself against this with my kids if I'm traveling going on a speaking trip or something. It's like, I hate to leave them, but I'm taking advantage of these really exciting opportunities. So even as I'm saying goodbye to my eight-year-old daughter, I want to cast vision for her about the value of these college students coming to know Jesus and then yeah. learning to grow and walk. And, and so how do I make that something that's vision and not like a tearing away or kind of a, a feeling of, oh daddy has to go do ministry again yeah type of thing mm -hmm. so um i don't exactly have an answer for that but but it is a, a tension that i think is real in ministry that that we need to keep an eye on and make sure that even the way we communicate about what we're doing is full of vision and passion and leading on that sense of things not saying oh well we got another oh man, Easter's coming up. It's going to be really busy. We're going to be burned out or whatever it is. Like there's a lot of pastors, even pastors, families I've heard kind of talk that way, even with even the kids saying it. And it's kind of sad to hear like the kids are dreading Easter and glad when it's over mm -hmm. because of the strain that it's obviously it is their spiritual warfare and their strain when you're in minis busy ministry seasons. But I think there's something off when the whole family is kind of like dreading certain seasons of ministry yeah, yeah absolutely i know um and i heard you talk about about this at the last youth leader coaching network we did but growing up in ministry i know that it can be easy to just like rely on your parents faith or even just kind of coast and just assume like well i just grew up this way this is how things are but how did you really develop your own faith and were there things that your parents did that really helped you on this faith journey to really develop your own faith for sure. I think um, I am without a doubt, like living in the prayers that my parents prayed since before I was born. And um, obviously that being tied to my salvation and acceptance of Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Um, and I was a late bloomer as a PK. Like I did not come to receive Christ until I was 17. And so that's wow. like late in the book of <laughs> PKs. Mm -hmm. um, but so much of those younger years were me watching kind of like Paul was saying, me watching my parents in um, their callings, living out their callings, doing what the Lord had called them to do um, through camp ministry, through crusade ministry. And so I got to see really, really special moves of God. And instead of those being something that like spurred me to make a decision sooner or something, it really intimidated me for some reason. And I think it's because, you know, I didn't know what I was really missing out on, but I was scared to say yes. And so um, I definitely was somebody that relied on my parents' faith, didn't know that I needed it for myself, didn't know what, you know, that individual relationship with Jesus would look like. And so um, it really was just conviction and um, a lot of, a lot of prayers from people who love me and my parents, especially that just brought me to a place where I was like, I need Jesus and I want to have my own relationship with him. I want to know him. I want to make him known. Um, and like I said, that wasn't until I was 17. And so 
there wasn't this like perfect, like Sunday school prayer, you know, go get baptized the next day. Um, but you know, my parents were really, really patient with me. And that's something that I am so, so grateful Mm -hmm. for. Um, I know that as I mean, I'm not a parent, but I know that my parents would have probably loved for it to happen much sooner, but they were really patient and they prayed and they trusted, um, that I would come to know Jesus and, um, gave me over to him at a very young age and just say, God, do with her what you would have done. Um, and so that's kind of a very lengthy all over the place answer, but I think, um, they had to let it click when it would click and their patience meant the world to me. And, um, you know, you can't live off of something like faith that just, it's not yours. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I'm really grateful that they went about it the way that they did. Yeah. That kind of takes the pressure off when it's, it's like, Hey, just because you are a professional Christian, quote unquote, you Mm -hmm. are doing this full time. You're, you're doing ministry. You're sharing the gospel full time with kids. You should be able to do it with your kids. Right. Mm -hmm. But it takes the pressure when it's like, Hey, no, it's so much just prayer, just like any other Christian parent, just like any other person run to the Lord, trust him, trust him with your kid's salvation and, and know that he will in time. Yeah. Draw them to him and Mm-hmm. that they will experience that one day. Shane, is there anything that y'all have done or walked through? Because I know you have a couple kids that have walked through um, salvation and baptism. What has that been like? Yeah, I would just say, Anna, I love uh, your story. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've gotten to hear you share that multiple times. And I always love, uh, in a weird way, I love that your story is that you came to faith, um, uh, quote unquote, a little later than what maybe some would expect. And that your parents let that, be and yes, didn't try yes. to force something or trusted the sovereignty of God in that because I just want to um encourage those that are listening that are parents to to have the freedom of like trusting the Lord's sovereignty in that yes point to the gospel pray for their little hearts you know get them in Christian community let them be around the teaching of the word and you living out the word you know but trusting the lord's work there because i think sometimes as christian leader parents we feel the pressure uh, on our kids making a decision at an early age and you know yes we want to see the lord save them but if we'd be honest in our flesh sometimes we're more worried about what everyone else is thinking yeah. right and so then we put the pressure on our kids like oh you got to be the champion of bible drill every year you know what i mean like you got to have the perfect attendance in sunday school like you can never miss youth group because of what people would think and i think a lot of times those unrealistic expectations going back to that if we be honest sometimes comes from us as parents mm-hmm. Because we're more worried about what others are going to think of us as parents than even our kids. And so I love that your your parents said that. Yeah, for us, I mean, we're trying to take that exact same approach um, that Anna's parents took is like, is where we pray for our kids. We have gospel conversations with them all the time. We're always trying to point to the gospel. Um, We want to be real about ministry. Um, I love what Paul said. Like, we want to talk about like, hey, it's a beauty to be able to sacrifice as a family for for ministry and to serve others. And we want to talk about the joys of ministry, but we also want to be very real in a way that they can understand according to their age level about the difficulties of ministry. Like just being honest all the way around and then Mm -hmm. trusting what the Lord does with that. Yeah. So for us, our oldest two have uh, repented of their sin, placed their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. Um, Reagan is 17. Harper's 12 at the time of this conversation. I think Reagan was like seven 
I think Harper was around eight or so. Um, but it wasn't one of those like, all right, you're seven. You should probably really be making a decision. We really need to get you in the baptism pool because we're going to be asking, you know, no, not at all. Like in a sense, we let them initiate those conversations, right? So we read the Bible to them. We prayed, you know, read Jesus storybook Bible every night, but we let them begin to ask those questions. Uh, for Reagan, it was beautiful. I was, I was actually preaching at a youth event and Casey and Reagan were there. We gave an invitation. So all of these teenagers are responding. Here comes Reagan. Um, and Casey walking and, and Reagan's crying and Casey's crying. I look at her and she's like nodding and I know what's going on. And so I lose wow. it as I'm oh, trying to finish man. this invitation. <laughs> and I remember going off to the side and it was so sweet in a way a seven-year-old understands. And that you was it. Me, she was right? like, um, the very thing of like, we want to live it out in front of wow. them is she was like, I want to know Jesus um, like you and mommy do. Wow. Like it was almost like the model of our faith. She wanted that kind of faith, yeah. you know, and so it was beautiful mm -hmm. to walk with her. Um, and then uh, with Harper, it was a little different because it was like the the fear of sin and the reality of eternity, which I think was great for eight year old to understand. She heard our pastor talking about it. And then we could tell something was different after church. And she was kind of emotional. She was like, what's going on? And she was like, daddy, I know I'm a sinner and I don't want to go to hell. You yeah. know, and they're like, hey, and so yeah. we got to share the gospel. And she was like, yes, I want the assurance of Jesus. So even though it was different, it was still the beautiful work of the gospel, right? So Amen. one was saying, I want faith like yours. The other one was, I want to be reconciled to Jesus because I understand the wrath of God already, Amen. you know? And so, and it was okay letting the Lord communicate those things in different ways to our kids. And then yeah. the other three, um, we're praying for their, their salvation because they are big sinners too, for sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that's awesome. I know. Well, and this kind of goes into the next topic I kind of want to get into is I know that every Christian parent, obviously they all long to see their kids know Jesus and follow Jesus. But I think there is also a longing, especially if you're in ministry or even if you just serve, if you serve at a church or in some kind of capacity, you want your kids to discover that unique calling that you want them to discover their unique giftings and talents that the Lord has given them so that they can use those to serve the Lord in whatever capacity it is capacity it is. And Paul, I think it's so cool that all your brothers and you, you're all in college ministry and the Lord has gifted you all in different ways, but you're all using it to reach the same demographic, which is really unique. Um, so how did y'all's parents, and I know Shane, you can even speak to this a little bit, but how did your parents help you discover your unique giftings and calling while also protecting you against the expectation to go into ministry full-time? I know y'all are in ministry, but how do they protect you from like, oh, you have to go into this or maybe there was an unspoken expectation there? Um, what did they do? What were some difficult things some helpful things about that? Yeah, there wasn't a lot of conversations really about that um, until I was in college, actually. So but they did give us lots of opportunities and reps as far as mission trips like they would. Every summer we were on the youth group mission trip. Every, you know, if our, if the church was doing something, we were there. And actually giving those, that's where I felt the most like joy and alive was when we were we were in New Orleans passing out peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to homeless people, part of like a the mission lab thing or whatever. And I just remember things like that where I was like, hey, this is this is cool. This is exciting. And so it was like little drips of kind of vision 
for living on mission and things like that, that made me think just in the back of my mind, like, yeah, maybe ministry would be a cool thing to do. And I had, you know, I had dreams of being like a pro skater and (laughs) share the gospel or being in a punk band, a Christian punk band that, that preached the gospel, you know, things like that, that was kind of like my teenage brain kind of thought would be cool. But um, in college, my dad had a really good, like, I see a new conversation with me where basically like, hey, you know, this college ministry stuff you're doing, that could be a really good fit for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just kind of keep that in mind. And so yeah. that that created like a, a just a process where I, over time, God kind of called me to that more specifically. And so it was, but it wasn't at all like, forced or um there I didn't feel any sense of expectation because my dad was a a pastor that I I needed to become one that kind of thing so yeah I think there was a good healthy dynamic of giving me opportunities and then when he did see kind of that potential not being too God told me that you're gonna be (laughs) you know it was more like hey you ever thought about the idea of being a being involved in college ministry and that was kind of what it looked like there for me. Yeah, I can kind of I can kind of relate to that too, Paul, in the sense that um, I think when you are young and you grow up in this way, like you get to see a lot up close and personal. And so every summer for my entire life was spent for two, three months at camp, like at student camp mm-hmm. and um, got to see my dad do what he does and my mom do what she does and fell in love with like the work of what they got to be a part of. Um, And kind of like what we were talking about earlier, just like that vision and like the importance and significance of what it is that like God's put on their heart and on their plate to do and be a part of um, is something I really fell in love with. And I know that my parents really wanted to instill like hard work, servanthood, and they did their best to live by example in that and never had um, an expectation or thought that I had to do what they did, um, which again, I think is really, really important. Um, but kind of had a similar conversation as well. When I was in college, I was probably end of my sophomore year, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but the Lord started to kind of put opportunities in my lap to be a part of different ministry opportunities and outreaches. And I just, I kept coming back to how I was as a kid. And I was just like, I really, really love that. I love being a part of something bigger than myself. I love being a part of something that makes Jesus known, um, to people who, don't know him, do know him, you know, whatever. And so, um, found it to be really, really beautiful to kind of walk that journey with people to say, yes, I see this in you. Yes. I think that this could be something that God's calling you to, um, and just affirm some thoughts and feelings that I had in my own heart and my own mind. Um, and I think that that was super helpful. Mm, that's really good. And I'm sure there's an element to it where y'all's parents, of course, have been praying over you, you know, your whole life. And to see the fruit of those prayers has to be really encouraging. And, and it's, it's a level of faith whenever they, yeah, they don't feel like they have to constantly steer you in a certain direction, but Hey, it's just, we're giving them to the Lord. Like we're going to go to prayer. We're going to, we're going to set the example by we're just going to chase after Jesus as hard as we can and let the Lord do what he will with them. And so it's cool to see the fruit in y'all's lives of what your parents have done and, and the prayers they've prayed. Shane, I know you've been navigating this as your kids get older and it's been cool to see Reagan kind of discover her talents and her unique giftings. What has that been like for y'all? 
Yeah, for for sure. Like the the thing we did, Casey and I approaching from like day one when like almost when we found out Casey was pregnant with Reagan, we just said, hey, we don't want to be the parents that like are like forcing our kids to be like athletes, right? Or forcing our kids to be in music or forcing our kids to be in this club or whatever. Like without a doubt, we're going to be in church. We're going to be um, around the things of God. But when it comes to like the interest and passions, we're not going to force our kids towards anything. However, we want them to do something, right? We don't want them yeah, to yeah. sit around playing Fortnite all day, every day. So, <laughs> so that's what we've told our kids from day one. Like, we just want you to find a thing that you love and passionate about, and then just work hard towards it. And then mom and I are going to do everything we can to help set you up for success in whatever you're passionate about. And then in that, as they discover that, we say, okay, how do we use that for the glory of God? You know? Mm -hmm. And so like, so we have two kids that are more of the creatives in the musical side, you know, our oldest is in the graphic design and all that. And Lacey, you've been so instrumental in her life as like one of her disciples. And, and then we have two other kids that are, are athletes, you know, and then little glory, uh, our six-year-old just lives in a musical right now. <laughs> like she just sings and dances. She, she's yeah. going to do something with the music or dance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But in that we go, okay, Hey, now how do you use that for the glory guy? And, and I think you, you see the more evident fruit of that as your kids get older. Right. So our 17 year old is like, like if you were to put her in front of people and Lacey, you know, her and Anna, you've gotten to know her a little bit is she will literally melt. You know what I mean? She would be like, oh, I'm melting. But she's learned that she can use her love for music or her love for graphic design or social media for the glory of God. And so that's it. I think it's just like going, hey, how has God wired you? Because I believe those passions and those gifts are from the Lord. How's God wired you? We're going to help you be the best at that. And then we want you to use it for the glory of God. And so that's how we approached it. Now, if whatever that looks like, we're just trusting the sovereignty and providence of God on. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so good. You can just give it to him. I was reading a Liberty article, kind of getting ready for this. I was just looking into some different resources and things like that. And I came across this article that a guy wrote for their blog or, or something of another, but he was a pastor's kid. And he said this in the article, which I think has will resonate with some stereotypes and maybe will resonate as some truth as well. But he says, um, as a PK, the same person that we live with, who takes care of us and who we see the good and the bad sides of, that person is also our pastor and the leader that we seek to learn from at church. And it can be a really interesting dynamic. And I know, and it's a little bit different for you because y'all were in camp ministry and things like that, but you still learn, you still hear your dad speak. And so I know this can be a tough dynamic. I can only imagine um, especially when you see, yeah, you do see the good, the bad, the, you see all sides of them. <laughs> and so I know this has unfortunately even really sadly has led some kids, ministry kids to even walk away from the faith when they've had a really bad experience with this. And so um, was there anything that like your dad, your parents, other leaders did to just help with this dynamic? Um, Paul, maybe you can speak to this as well. Yeah, I would say, um, I think for me, I really paid attention to when I was younger and I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I saw that it was so important to my parents and I saw the things that they did that really built their character and integrity um, when it came to their identity in Christ. And I saw the way that my dad utilized his prayer closet. I saw the way that my mom utilized hers. I saw the way that they 
um, poured into others and saw just like the significance of their faith in their lives and knew, okay, this is like a big deal. And so um, when I, you know, finally came to know the word, I was like, I want to, I want to like know him and know him well. And I think um, walking away was never really a big option because for me, there wasn't anything to walk away from for a long time until I was 17. Um, But I think the beauty is that um, seeing my parents up close and personal and knowing like it's worth it, like having a relationship with Jesus is worth it. And there's nothing that he's unaware of in your life. There's nothing that he can't defeat in your life. He's greater than every sin, every obstacle, everything. Um, And so knowing that like when you choose Jesus, you're choosing fullness and you're choosing um, satisfaction and fulfillment that like can't come from anything else. And so um, there's going to be times where like doubts come you want to question everything. We had a whole episode on deconstruction a couple episodes ago. Um, but there's beauty in remembering like your first love and knowing like who we were created by, what we were created for, um, and holding fast to that. And so I don't think that there ever was this like crazy option to walk away from faith. But for me, it was like remembering why I made a decision to follow Jesus in the first place and knowing that it wasn't going to be easy. It wasn't going to be picture perfect like like I had in my mind. Um, but knowing that it was worth the cost. Mm, that's good. Yeah, for me, um, I really think about my family, my parents, and um, I mean, I'm gonna get emotional, but I think the integrity that they had made it attractive, made mm-hmm. um, the faith attractive to me. So they weren't perfect in any way, but they were real. They were. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the same, the same, the same person, the same people on Sunday morning trying to plant the church as they were on Monday, every day of the week. So it wasn't like an issue. It wasn't, it was just the environment and the trajectory of our family was this, this is what we're about. And so I think that's when, when we as ministry leaders get into kind of a performance mindset where it's like, hey, we're home and we're going to be one way and now we're going to go drum up some energy or whatever it is for ministry. That's when you get into issues. And really, that's an integrity issue at the end of the day. Is, and I think that's where a lot of ministry um, kids, PKs, struggle is when they see that dichotomy where, man, why is my family, why are my parents different at church than they are at home? Mm-hmm. And um, so... I think if you lose your integrity, you lose everything, really. Yeah. And so um, ultimately, our kids, our families are at stake when it comes to this issue. And so that's something for all of us in ministry leadership is we have to make sure that we're not just doing good in this one slice of our public ministry, is that our life, our families, and our personal walks with God have to be on point (laughs) because that is going to be that's there's nothing more important like what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul Mm -hmm. what good is it to gain an epic instagram worthy ministry and lose your kids like like that Mm -hmm. that is um i think the stakes couldn't be higher so um that's just a thought there and so i think in general um having that integrity and my parents were able to even when they messed up they cleaned up like there was times where there was mistakes made and they were just like hey 
my dad would get get our kids together and say, "Hey, I was impatient, and I'm mm-hmm. sorry." And th- those things are more important almost than than even having this like perfect facade. And yeah. so when when I did struggle as a teenager with sin or whatever, I felt like I could come mm-hmm. to my dad and confess. And that was some moments where I because he was real about his his struggles, mm-hmm. I was able as a as a kid able to come to him. And so that's that's what we want to want to reproduce. So, uh, give me a second to, <laughs> yeah. No, so yeah, that's, no, that's that's powerful, and yeah. I think yeah, those are those are some huge huge things that can make such a difference. And it, I think, will give a lot of the people listening a lot of freedom of like, hey, yeah, I am gonna mess up as a parent, and they are gonna see a bad side of me, but it's gonna be so powerful if I can just go to them and and show them what it looks like to repent and to turn to the Lord and apologize and and be really real with my faith and have that integrity on and off. And I, I'll, I'll even give credit to Shane. People always ask me about Shane. They're like, is he really always like that? You know, when it comes to like the energy and he's just very positive and, and obviously very evangelistic and people always ask me they're like is he always like that i'm like yeah he really is always like oh, that that's fine thank you and so i, I think that here, is Lacey, as i was listening to paul and anna like first of all like gosh my prayer is like once this goes live like i'm so thankful for our friends that listen to it to our conversations and invite others to listen in but i'm so excited uh for the gauges and the woosters to hear this <laughs> Like as y'all send it to your parents, because I look at this and go, man, Paul, the way you talk about your parents and Anna, the way you're talking about your parents is like my prayer is that one day, like my kids could be on a podcast episode talking about Casey and I in that way. And I think that even changes the metrics sometimes of success in ministry to go. Is it really about how big the crowd is or like yeah. Paul, like you said, how many followers are on Instagram or is it about like our kids can go, my parents were not perfect, but they love Jesus. They love the church and they modeled what it meant to be a follower of Jesus in front of us. To me, that's the metric of success mm-hmm. in ministry. Yeah. So thank y'all for sharing that. And I was just being here challenged over here. Like, uh, gosh, I pray that one day my kids could say the same thing wow. about me that y'all are saying about your parents. Yeah. Yeah, And I know y'all talk about this in your coaching networks that y'all do with guys, but that we really do believe, yeah, your family and your kids are the most important thing. And if you lose your family, your ministry, you'll lose your ministry as well. And so um, this kind of goes into the next part of it of ministry can be really time consuming and it can, I know, especially if you travel, both of you guys travel a lot and I know you experienced that with your dad, um, but it can be really time consuming. It can be um, draining at times. And I know that I've even seen kids personally just struggle with church and ministry because they saw how often it took their parent or parents away from them. And so how did your family balance this? Shane, how have y'all balanced this as a family? I know I'm sure you've get, gotten that question a lot, especially with the number of kids you guys have um, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think for for us, we even kind of shifted away from even um, using the term balance, because I think for me, I take everything so literal, you know, so mm-hmm. like if I go balance, that means, OK, for every eight hours of ministry, I got to have eight hours of family time, you know, <laughs> right. for every 10 hours of family time going to have 10 hours of ministry. And it just doesn't work like that, you know, because sometimes emergencies pop up 
and it may be a dedicated family time, but somebody close has just lost a child or their, mm-hmm. their spouse just took off, right. Or something like that. And you got to jump and, and be there because there's a power of presence. And then sometimes like the greatest ministry decision you can make is to go, I got to say no to this. So I can say yes to being at my kid's ball game and stuff like that. Yeah. So it doesn't always balance out, but it can be harmony. So mm-hmm. harmony is kind of what we've been using. Like there's harmony. And then sometimes if you have little kids, it may require more family time. As kids get older, maybe it, it as they're able to do things on their own, like you're able to pour more into your ministry. And so I would just say it. It's just got to be harmony. You know, I think if you're married, you and your spouse have to be on the same page with that, um, which it only makes you a more effective minister of the gospel, right? Because if there's a wedge between you and your spouse, you're going to have a hard time being an effective minister of the gospel if there's a wedge there. Or if your kids are growing bitter towards the Lord or the church, that's only going to make it more difficult to minister to the bride of Christ. Um, And so I would just say it's harmony for us, you know, and so we literally try to, we know things are ebbs and flows where there's going to be a lot of family time and then a lot of ministry time. And we just kind of like go through that. I think one thing, um, and then Paul, I've heard you talk a lot about this. Anna, you've shared about how you were involved in in your parents' ministry, Paul, how you were involved is I think one thing that we want to also think of is that um, that really like as a family, you're called to know Jesus and make Jesus mm-hmm. known. So it really is not like, okay, ministry's dad's thing. Yeah. And then when he's off doing ministry, we miss him. Right. And I like we're all serving the Lord together. So sometimes what is beautiful is sometimes family time and ministry time is the same time because you're getting to serve together and be on mission together. And so I would say strive for a harmony in that and don't always worry about balance and trying to be even in everything, you know. Yeah. That's good harmony. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. How did how did your family do this well, Anna? I know you you got to be a huge part of it in the summer, which is really fun. Yeah, for sure. I think a big thing that I really appreciate like to this day is that my parents invited my sister and I in, right? So they didn't just leave us at home. I'm sure that there were times when we were really young that that made a lot of sense. Um, but as we grew older, they wanted us to see and be a part of what the Lord was doing and the things that they were able to be a part of. And so um, I know that when I was younger, I definitely had that perspective of like, okay, that's dad's thing. He's gone. Um, and it's funny. We joke about when we were little, like my dad barely making it to my eighth grade graduation. Cause he was coming, like he was coming in hot from a crusade or, <laughs> you know, making it to like the final set of my tennis finals tournament. So we joke about those things, but at the end of the day, like we know that it's because he was doing something that Lord has called him to. And that's really, really important. But I think it's really beautiful to be able to look back and see the ways that like my parents included us and invited us in and entrusted us. And I think that's where a lot of like them seeing gifts in us and talents and kind of picking those things out that are things that we get to do and use today. Um, And so for them kind of bringing us along on the journey, kind of like what Shane was saying, like ministry and family doesn't have to be separate. I think it's beautiful that it gets to be together. Um, and so they were really, really proactive about that. And I'm really grateful because I think it shifted my perspective of that whole mentality where ministry and family are separate and it just doesn't have to be. So I am really appreciative that, you know, I got to be a part of it and the summer camp capacity. Those are some of my all time sweetest memories um, and where a lot of foundational things were laid in my life where even though I didn't come to know the Lord until I was 17, I saw so many moves of God. I learned so much. I grew so much, so many foundational things, 
even as little as like manners, just things that really helped me be who I am growing up. And today just were um, really foundational in those pivotal years of getting to go to camp, getting to go to some crusades and things like that. And um, I am just eternally grateful for the way that they brought us under instead of just leaving us at home, which again, there, I'm sure there were times where that was very necessary, but (laughs) I am very grateful. I love that. Um, Paul, how are y'all? I know you are, you bring in your kids with as much as you can when y'all are doing local ministry and things, but how did your family do this? How are you planning on doing this? Yeah, I think it's the difference between being proactive and reactive with our schedules and our time, because a lot of it, one of the advantages of ministry is often you have some flexibility to go be a part of like my dad coached a lot of our sports stuff because he could grind early and work on his messages and his writing stuff in the morning and then he could be there at 3 p.m when the other dads were at work, you know, still at work, he could be there and he could, he could help coach. And, and that's what I've tried to do is kind of like work really hard when it's time to work so that I can be flexible and go skate with my son or surf with my son or whatever. And, uh, you know, take Evelyn on a date. We tried to go to the water park, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but it was closed. So anyway, so I took her to <laughs> buy it, buy it, you know, anyways, there's, so there's things like that, that, um, we can be flexible, but as long as we're intentional, uh, mm-hmm. rather than, because if we're just reactive, there's always another email to answer. There's always another call to take. There's always another yeah. person mm-hmm. to meet with, but we need to like block those out as like just as important as a podcast or another mm-hmm. thing that we're doing to spend time with our families. Mm, that's really good. Well, I would love to just end by maybe each of you. And I know you guys, again, we're going to put links to the coaching networks in the show notes because we they do go a little bit deeper into this. But I would love to just end by encouraging ministry leaders, pastors to continue leading and loving their families well. And so um, Shane, would you just start and let's just each kind of share a scripture or word of encouragement for these families? Yeah, one thing I just want to remind you of is like at the end of the day, and I think so much, especially as Christian leaders, as pastors, ministers of the gospel, we put so much pressure on ourselves mm-hmm. um, when it comes to to raising up uh, godly kids. And so I would just say, hey, at the end of the day, your kids don't need you to be perfect. Um, they just need you to follow a perfect Savior and to trust Him. Yeah, mm, That's good. So Anna, you're going to go next? <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say encouragement is key. I feel like I remember so much from my parents by the way that they loved me, told me that they loved me, um, the way that they called out gifts and talents and things that they saw in me at a young age to things that I get to be a part of now. Um, and they really let me be a kid and learn at the stages that I was at when I was a kid. Um, and ultimately they just trusted that God had a better plan for my life than they could even come up with. And so I think there's beauty in that release and there's freedom in that of knowing that God has, you know, a plan for my life, for my sister's life, for my brother-in-law's life. Like just knowing that like he has ordained that before the beginning of time and just trusting and believing that his plan and his will for our lives is good. And so enjoy the freedom in that continue to be faithful in prayer Um, And trust that the perfect savior that we believe in knows your kids better than you do. And so I think there's just, um, there's beauty in that. I'm praising over here. This is good. That's good. That's amazing. 
Um, yeah, the verse that comes to mind is Matthew 6, 33, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you as well. And mm -hmm. so I just saw that modeled in my family. Um, we ended up, we were moving to Moscow, Russia. Um, when I was 10 years old, my younger brothers were eight years old. And I remember my mom just had a breakdown, just crying, like, why are we going from San Francisco Bay area to Moscow, Russia, but ended up when we were in Russia, all of us had like renewed commitments to Christ. My two younger brothers came to know Christ and what seemed like a big sacrifice for her and for the family ended up being the best thing for us that set us up. So um, yeah, you can never outgive God. You can never um, sacrifice. Actually, if that's what we want to be, we want to live on the edge of faith. And so God may call us to make sacrifices and to serve as, as ministry leaders and families, but that is something that God is going to honor. And our kids are part of that blessing that God will, God will give. So um, I'm not saying this is not a prosperity gospel thing I'm saying, but it is the Lord will honor our sacrifice and our commitment to him. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such an encouraging word to end on, I think. And we just pray that this episode really has equipped you, encouraged you and spurred you on just like it did with Shane. I think he's like renewed to go out and just continue <laughs> yeah. loving his family well. And so um, we again, we're going to put links to the, in the show notes to the coaching networks and, and some other resources for you guys. So be sure to check that out and just keep seeking the kingdom, guys. We love you. We're praying for you and we're praying for your family. 